Welcome to What I Know Now, a School Sport New Zealand podcast that's all about the value of sport. I'm Mike Summerall, the CEO of School Sport New Zealand, and we're getting into the biggest issues and questions that young people have when it comes to being involved in sport. Kane Williamson is one of New Zealand's greatest ever cricketers. That's fairly well acknowledged these days, but what isn't as well known is just how broad his sporting background is. In rugby, he was a talented first 5'8th and played in the Roller Mills tournament growing up. In basketball, he was a shooting guard that was named MVP at the Mid-Northern Junior Secondary Schools Tournament. He played for the Tauranga Boys A basketball team in year 10. He also played soccer and volleyball. In amongst all of that, he grew a reputation as a rare cricketing talent. Specialisation is a massive issue for multi-talented sports people growing up. There can be real pressure put on young people to focus on one sport, and Kane's reflection on his past playing a range of sports is really insightful. This is a great conversation for young people, parents, coaches, anyone involved in sport at any level about the benefits of balance across the sporting spectrum. What's your earliest sporting memory? It would probably be before primary school, just playing cricket, hockey, soccer, you know, dependent on the uh, season, you know, with my family and friends, really. So that would be what I remember earliest. We certainly know that you played a whole pile of different sports growing up as a kid. Did you have a favourite as you were growing up? I always loved cricket, but I also really enjoyed the start of winter sports as well. And then I was always playing basketball and soccer in the winter and cricket and volleyball in the summer. And even at the time, you know, I was always really excited to be changing codes, you know, I suppose. And, you know, when I was younger, there was not really any overlap. It was, you know, a clear distinction between summers and the different sports that you play. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is that crossover between sports these days. But you've talked about the breadth of sport that you played. How did you actually manage to stay on track with all of those different sports? Probably more difficult for mum and dad. You know, I was just following a passion and that's what I wanted to do. We sort of didn't have the computer games or the PlayStation. We lived near a school field and, and so we just spent our days with other kids around the neighborhood playing sport and then organized sport through school as well. So, you know, we're fortunate to live near a school and be heavily involved in those sports. And also mum and dad were were really supportive and running a a pretty tight taxi service with five children. I'd never say it was tough. It's just, I loved what I was doing and participating in. And so, you know, you wanted to give it your best and, and do as much as you can. What did training look like for all those different sports? Was it more just playing with your friends, like you said, or was it more organized training sessions and trying to fit all of that in across a week? Yeah, I suppose you're meaning as we get like a little bit older, eh? Like I was talking to perhaps primary school, but as you get through primary perhaps, and if you have a passion, then you do practice and you do train and you find ways to do it. And whether that's with your friends, you know, and obviously if you're involved in organized sport, there'll perhaps be some training times that you're expected to to be involved in. And I certainly had a few of those on the go, but, you know, I was always one to get home and and want to do more. You know, at that age, you dream, but you don't have any expectations. You're just doing what you enjoy. And and so practice and whether that was cricket, basketball, soccer, rugby, even cross country at one stage, which, you know, was a lifetime ago, but, you know, and you felt like you're a part of a team, which was something that I always really enjoyed being involved in is that, you know, you wanted to 
try and improve and give your best and always and still do have that little bit in me that wants to keep getting a little bit better and try and work things out and yeah. Through the research that I've done around you, you've played all these sports, but you're actually pretty good at them too. But a really good point that came through around what I've read is you took a lot of pride in wanting to get better. What does that actually mean? What does that practically look like for you? I sort of remember like all through school, teachers, they used to always say I was quite inquisitive. And I suppose that was something that I took into my sports as well. And I just really have a desire to try and work things out and improve on them. And and what does that mean for me? Well, I suppose within a team sport and the role that you have, it's trying to understand that and explore maybe different ways of doing it to try and use what you have to be a little bit more effective. You know, and, and I always found that enjoyable that aspect and you always know I think when you're young when you look back you realize that you know at different stages of your growth and development that things can happen at all different times but having that love and drive I think is really important certainly the love because you, you just go through all the different days that are presented to you the good ones the the ones that aren't so good and you have your failures and, and plenty of those but the love of it keeps you coming back and wanting to you know use those lessons to keep improving you mentioned failure and we really talk about that word resilience when we talk about school sport in particular and what that means for participating in it. And I've certainly heard you talk about in the past how you've managed to, as much as taking the lessons from winning, you take a lot of lessons from the failures that you see. How important is that for you as you're setting yourself and looking forward? I mean, winning and losing is it's a part of what attracts people to things. But, you know, at the end of the day, the the context of that is not something we have to fully buy into and define ourselves by, you know. I mean, that's a bit of a challenge, but ultimately the love of what you are doing and sometimes trying to re-earth that, you know, if you've done it a long time and we talk about it even now, it's like, you know, when you were younger, what drew you to the game and whenever you turn up, it's not your given right to win, you know, everybody's wanting to do it. So it's always going to be competitive, but you can go out and try and do your bit, try and perform as well as you can, and then accept that things don't always go your way, but you can still have some satisfaction and, and that you achieve what you set out to do. And if the opposition were a little bit better, and I suppose it's ironic that we're sitting here having this conversation after last night (laughs) coming off a loss you know and and see a lot of positives in that and and opportunities to get better and I think if you can't accept that then you do miss a lot of learning and those failures and lessons that are often taught to you. I think we know a lot about the challenges that young people are facing around physical activity and being involved in sport and certainly the sector is trying to look at how we can get more people involved but almost an unintended consequence is when talking to some young people, they're almost afraid to start talking about winning. They're afraid to talk about competitive sport. Whereas I know for you, you took a lot of pride in that idea that growing and being comfortable with winning was something that you really enjoyed. Are you able to talk about that difficult place a lot of our young people are in right now around still value in winning, but understanding that there is a bigger picture? I don't know a lot of what's happening, you know, in school sport, but I do hear that there is a lot of that. And I think there's a lot of really valuable experiences to have with winning and losing and resilience from both. You get exposed, you give it your best and it doesn't always work. And sometimes it does. And and learning to accept defeat graciously and see it as an opportunity to 
drive you forward in terms of wanting to perhaps improve, but also not getting too caught up in in the adulation of winning. And I, I know that sounds a bit odd, but you know we can set out to very much give our best. But at the same time, it's fleeting, really. You know, there's enjoyment, and I think I've certainly found enjoyment in being involved in a team, having a common goal. And setting out to do it. And, and I still look back at school sport, different tournaments that I was involved in, rugby ones, basketball ones. We won some, we came third in some, we finished in all different positions. But, you know, you always reflect back on maybe the fun that you had and the camaraderie that was there. And those are amazing experiences to have. And when you do put context to it, perhaps like winning and losing, it does add to those experiences, whether they all go your way or they don't, you know. So, yeah, it's an interesting topic at the moment. Mm. And culture is so important within that context of winning and losing. You've been involved in some absolutely amazing teams. Could you talk to us about how important culture is in, in setting those goals within a team and setting those rules that you live by and why that's so important? Yeah, look, we believe culture is really important, certainly for for our side where, you know, you might be competing against nations that have much larger player pools. So man for man, talent for talent, you know, it's probably not where we measure up, but there are other areas that we can look to touch on and improve on, you know, and culture is absolutely one of those. And, you know, you mentioned the the behaviours and values sort of goals, but more um, not fixed goals, not outcome-based, not win today and or win that. It's kind of ironic is that the idea of wanting to win is within all, certainly in this side, but actually not letting that get in the way of what we're trying to do is probably more important. So what are our jobs? What is our style of play? Who are we as people? And what do we want to commit to every day? You know, I think really can help shape your environment and your culture and allow you to control things that you can control and then also accept when things don't quite go your way and there's a few lessons to learn and you can keep sort of taking steps forward as a team rather than it's to win this and it's to win that well everybody kind of wants that so it's you know it's a tough game to play but if you can play uh, your own game and move to the beat of your own drum then I, I think a it's a little bit more enjoyable and a little bit less fatal <laughs> in your own eyes because you go, well, the picture's big and there's games and tournaments that keep coming up, but how do we keep getting better as a team and as an environment and then know and trust that that's going to put us in a reasonable place? We've talked about you've played a lot of different sports growing up, but I think thankfully for New Zealand cricket fans, you decided to focus on cricket. Where in your journey did that need to happen and do you think you are a better player now for having played all of those different sports? Or do you think if you'd focused earlier, you might have done even better than you've possibly done? When I was at school, I loved sport, you know. It was never just cricket and something else. It was a real passion. And I enjoyed my schooling too. It was another part of your life. Really, I tried to play, I say as many as I could. Um, it wasn't by numbers, but it was, you know, I'd try and do two in the summer, two in the winter, and then throw in some athletic stuff during school organized things. I remember doing cross country because I thought it was a little bit of fun, but it was good for fitness. And I just thought I'll do that. That's quite cool. And a few other different bits and pieces, but it was largely 
cricket and some volleyball. My sisters and brother are all right into their volleyball, so Bay of Plenty is quite big in their volleyball. So I played a little bit of that, and then yeah, winter was soccer, basketball, and then it became rugby. And then as I got to maybe 15, 16, it became cricket and basketball for me with a few side bits of interest. And I tried to hold on to basketball for as long as I could. I, I loved my basketball. And I think I may have played some in sixth form and maybe seventh. And as I was getting a little bit older, some representative cricket kind of got in the way of my basketball. <laughs> um, we had a few tours and bits and pieces of under 19s and so it made that tough but I remember yeah I ended up stopped playing rugby as I saw my future was fairly limited and I just loved my basketball for a few reasons and I just thought I'll just go cricket basketball so yeah it was sort of that maybe 16 17 and then towards my last year of school it was cricket was kind of taking over and then yeah that's when I first started doing it professionally I suppose and then first year out it was just cricket and I remember that I thought, great, I love my cricket and this is cool and this is like what I want to be doing. And and it was never the case earlier. I never thought that this is the path. You know, I was very much involved in schooling and wanting to go to university. But I, I do remember cricket getting quite busy and making those other things um, a bit harder to do. But I remember also after my first year thinking, wow, like I need something else as my passion for the game was there, but getting consumed in it wasn't the answer for me. And so without totally realizing the value of other sports, because I just enjoyed playing as many different ones as I could, I actually saw a, a real balance and a freshness to playing different sports in different seasons, your school focus, you know, all these other bits and pieces. So I just, I remember reflecting on that and thinking I need to you know, do a few more bits and pieces in my time to create a bit of a balance. And I started learning the guitar and, and other bits and pieces. So I do remember really looking back at my time at school and really valuing A, the balance, but also the enjoyment that I did have. And look, I do think that playing multiple sports, yep, it can absolutely add to improving different skill sets, but certainly a balance of enjoyment was a really important part. There's some amazing lessons in everything you've just said there, but you mentioned balance a few times and we're so busy in life these days and you think about someone like yourself that's been really successful and one of the very few that has gone on to the very elite level and prospered. How do you find balance? What do you need to do to really make sure that you're achieving across multiple spaces in your life rather than just that one? Yeah, but balance is maybe achieving balance, you know, having other things in your life. And I've got married with kids and obviously that certainly brings a whole nother dynamic to your life and is amazing and, and you go through all different phases and what you do. Yeah, I suppose if I think back to when I started doing it professionally and then really understanding the importance of the balance and being able to see things a little bit more with some perspective, you know, so you have other things in your life that are of value, not just just one sport. And that's when I hear early specialization, it sort of makes me cringe a bit because I know for me, it wouldn't have been what I wanted to do. Even when I was younger, there was always some inclination to do it and some encouragement, but um, having other things absolutely is important. 
again, you've used the word value and, and values. What do you think are the values of being involved in sport that we can really press upon our young people to make sure that they are physically active and enjoying everything that sport has to offer them? I mean, there's that physical component, which is healthy for sure. And also, you know, the social aspect. I've only really played team sports and that's something that I really have enjoyed playing. You know, you go from school to school or whatever it is, primary to intermediate to college, and there's so many unknowns. And all of a sudden you find a bit of common ground with people that have interests like your own and often that's through sport. And then you sort of perhaps get a little bit more involved and you sort of go on a bit of a journey together. And that's sort of, I think, where you find real enjoyment and create a lot of memorable times. It doesn't have to be with the first 11 or the, you know, it's any team that you're in. It doesn't just have to be sport probably, you know, it could be anything, hey, where you you go, let's put our heads down here and work towards improving and, and doing our bit for each other. And I mean, that's fun in my eyes. <laughs> You've been involved in so many sports and I guess coached by so many different people. We get asked a lot by schools who are wanting to help their young people. What are the attributes of a good coach? Right across your school, right across as you've developed as a player, what do you think are the, are the really most important part of being a coach? For school-aged people, yeah. Both, yeah. I mean, if you can reflect back on your time when you were at school, who were those coaches that stood out for you and what were the things that they did that probably has made it stick in your mind? The things that probably stood out for me at school and, and across the board, I, I recall in basketball and in rugby, was maybe the leadership element in coaching or maybe more specifically the level of guidance. I would describe a couple of coaches that had mana, certainly in rugby and I felt that was important. I think when that real care for the people shone through, then all of a sudden it kind of created an environment where people could express themselves and play and enjoy it and learn and develop. And it wasn't over-manufactured. The sense was that it was about the guys. It would be continuing to create environments where where kids, yeah, when you explore, you often work things out a little bit, eh? And it's a bit more fun you know when it becomes a bit manufactured and a bit by the book and a bit serious you know it starts to tighten up and it's um yeah it's not not quite the way thanks for listening and a massive thank you to kane for being involved hopefully you've taken away some of his experiences that you can apply to your own sporting involvement whatever level you're at if you did Please feel free to comment, review, subscribe, or share this podcast with your mates. It really does make a difference. This podcast has been produced by Raw Collective for School Sport New Zealand. If you liked it, check out some of our other episodes. It's an ever-growing resource helping you to navigate sport as one part of a well-rounded life. See you on the next episode.